Pastor, and I want you to put your hands together for Pastor Rob McEwen as she brings the word this morning. Thanks. Well, hi everybody. So good to see you all. Just let you know our marriage is still going strong. How's yours? <laughs> Lockdown's an interesting time, isn't it? When you're spending a lot of time with each other. I hope you're all doing well. Maybe when this is all over, we can do a marriage seminar and um, everybody can um, fine-tune their relationships after all this, hey? It is great that the church is thriving. The church might not be meeting in these four walls, but hey, she is doing brilliantly. We've got life groups meeting across this whole area, zooming in, catching up with each other. Kids' church is on this morning. We've got the team recording that. We've got live youth every Friday night, and it's all going strong. So how good is God that in this time... We can just continue doing church. looks different, but it's still church and it's worshipping together and it's coming together under his name. So last week, Greg started a series on the increased life. So we're going to continue that today. And my, I'm going to have a little talk to you this morning about if we want to live an increased life, we have to be humble. And I've met, titled this message, The Writing on the Wall. I believe that each of us is a construction project in the hands of God. And he's not finished with any of us yet. We, we sing a great song that has a, a chorus that goes, he's not finished with us yet. And I firmly believe that. These times of being isolated from one another, with less distraction and time restraints, can be a great time to allow the Holy Spirit to continue the work he's begun in us so that we can live that increased abundant life that God has for us all and we can become more like Jesus in the process. Today I'm going to talk about something that can be a problem for all of us. It can be very sneaky and creep up on us. We can be blind to it. It can cause grief or destruction if we're not careful. The Bible has a lot to say about it and gives us plenty of warning. I wonder if you've guessed what it might be. It's pride. If we're to grab hold of the increased life God has for us, then we need to be humble. This is difficult if pride has a hold on us and it can stop us from growing and becoming everything that God wants us to be. The Word of God speaks so clearly about pride. You've only got to look in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 18 tells us that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 13, 10, pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 11.2 says, With pride comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Romans 12.3, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And 1 Peter 5.5 says this, Close yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We're going to continue to look at the book of Daniel today, and we're going to turn to chapter 5. And check out the life of two kings. So grab your Bible or your phone or whatever method you're going to look at the Bible and open up with us as I pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word, that it is a light for our path. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would illuminate the dark things in our life that might need to come to the surface today, Lord God. Help us identify if pride is operating in our lives, Lord, and Help us to remove it and um, grow in humility, Lord, as we listen and learn today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, are you with me? Daniel chapter 5. 
Here we find a great story about King Belshazzar. Don't you love the word? Don't you love these names from the Old Testament? Belshazzar. Everyone say Belshazzar. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Imagine having a baby now and calling them Belshazzar. Hey, it'd be a talking point, wouldn't it? <laughs> the Babylonians were the ruling, ruling superpower of the time, having conquered Judah and destroyed and looted the temple in Jerusalem. Now, this king's holding a huge banquet. Wouldn't be allowed nowadays in social isolation, but this guy had a thousand people and they were living it up. They were drinking wine, they were eating, they were having a fantastic time. And the king insists on using the gold and silver goblets that were taken from the temple. He was praising all the other gods in the land but the one true God of Israel. Then something amazing gets his attention. Fingers of a human hand begin to write something on the wall. Would have been very cool, actually, if I had had something like this today. The hand just appeared. Probably could do it with technology, couldn't we? But hey... You've got to imagine it with me, okay? The hand starts writing. Now, the king freaks out, right? Absolutely. And he calls for anyone who can help him tell him what it means. So he brings in the enchanters and the wise men. No one can help him. So Daniel is called for. As we heard last week, Daniel was one of the Jewish exiles living in Babylon at the time. And he has a good reputation. In verse 12, we read this. He was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Daniel comes in and is promised promotion and wealth if he can help the king. Daniel, in humility, tells the king he's not interested in any reward, but will help anyway because he knows that it's not him, but his God working in him that will do the interpreting. So Daniel tells, before he tells him the message, he tells him about another king, about another time that he was called in to help interpret a dream, when King Nebuchadnezzar, another really cool name, Nebuchadnezzar, okay, was ruling many years before. Now, he was a really harsh and cruel ruler. He didn't care at all about his people. They were oppressed. He only cared about building his own kingdom. The king had a disturbing dream, and again, nobody could interpret it except Daniel. Daniel warned the king that unless he changed his ways, his time was up. His kingdom would be taken from him, but it would be restored if he acknowledged the Lord was his God. You can read this whole story in chapter 4, and I encourage you to do that because it's a wonderful story about the dream and, and what it all means. The king didn't do anything about changing his heart. He totally ignored what Daniel had to say. And we see this clearly in Daniel 4. In verse 28, this is 12 months after Daniel's warning. He's walking, the king's walking on the roof of his palace and he declares, I could just imagine him, right? I don't know if they wore crowns back then, but he'd have his crown on, he'd have his robe, he'd be all pretty like, pretend this is my robe, okay? I should have bought a crown. That's what I should have bought, a crown on my head. And he stands there and he says this, Is this not the great Babylon I have built as my royal residence by my mighty power and the glory of my majesty? The dream then comes true, and he finds himself as an animal, as Daniel describes in verse 20 of chapter 4. And it says this, But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from his people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle. Basically, he went mad. Until he humbled himself and acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdom of men. His kingdom and his sanity were restored to him when we, we are told his kingdom increased after this. 
Okay, back to King Belshazzar, ready? And the writing on the wall, Daniel 5.22. Daniel warns this king that he too has not humbled himself and has allowed pride to rule and reign rather than God. So he too has been warned by God. And the message on the wall consisted of three words. Mene meant that God had numbered his days and it was all about to end. Tekel, he had been found wanting. And Perez, his kingdom is divided and had been given to the Medes and the Persians. And that very night, the king was slain and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom. Again, I encourage you to get the book of Daniel out and have a good read of all those stories because they're amazing and we can learn from them. Daniel knew his place and he knew his God and humbly served him even in exile. It was his reputation and godly character that went before him that placed him in these encounters with the king. And I wonder just for a minute what our reputation is like with others. Would we as Christians be someone who's thought of as godly, wise, humble like Daniel, or full of pride, self-importance and arrogance like the king? It's a bit of a sobering thought wouldn't you say? The writing on the wall is a phrase you may have heard before. And it's actually from this story in Daniel, which is quite amazing that a biblical story would um, have originated into this phrase. If you say that the writing is on the wall, what you mean is that there are clear signs that a situation is going on to become very difficult or unpleasant. Are we people that are aware and can read the signs when our lives need some correction? Can I have a couple of I'll look at a couple of things now about what pride is and what humility is. Okay, King Nebuchadnezzar's wickedness and oppression caused people to suffer because pride hurts, but humility helps. His whole focus was about himself and building his own kingdom. He didn't care about anybody else. When we allow pride to dictate our lives and feel superior to others, our relationships and people around us can also suffer. When you are constantly pointing out other people's mistakes or focusing on their weaknesses, calling them out on them rather than encouraging, this can make someone feel inferior or devalued and discouraged. Humility, on the other hand, seeks to uplift and keeps keeps placing value on others so that they can feel loved and encouraged. And isn't that how we all want to feel, loved and encouraged? This helps them become all that God wants them to be. Being humble is knowing that God has created each one of us in his own image and he loves us all equally. There is no hierarchy in the kingdom of God. Pride also lies, but humility is honest and open. When pride's at work, we can wear a mask to cover ourselves so we're always looking good to others. We can also become defensive to save face and to keep up appearances rather than face the truth about ourselves. Humility, on the other hand, keeps, helps us to remain open and honest and admitting our mistakes and weaknesses. It helps us clarify our position and know our place, which is under the authority of Christ. The Holy Spirit's the one who knows us best and will continue to do the work in us if we remain humble and open. We all need to be people that can admit a mistake when we've made it. Okay, I hope you can do that. And if you can't, well, maybe that's a journey for you. It's okay. It's okay to admit when we've made mistakes. Don't let pride get in the way. I was thinking about control when I was writing this and how many of us so love to have control over everything, which we know is impossible 
wanting to have your life a certain way, look a certain way, trying to control people and the outcomes all the time. It says to me that you may have a problem in trusting God's authority in your life. To me, it may be, it is a form of pride because it's suggesting that I can do it. I don't need you, thanks God. Thank you very much. I've got my whole life sorted out. I know that's been for me, in the case for me for over times, different times over my life. God has had to encourage me to hand things over to him rather than me try to control the outcome all the time or the people that are involved. I wonder if that's like you today. It's tiring when you have to try to keep everything together. And God doesn't want that anyway. He never asked us to keep control of everything. And letting go of control is so freeing. The result being less anxiety as you just keep giving it to God every time you start wanting to hang on to something, you just let it go and it's much more freeing to live. Humility, on the other hand, knows that we don't have control over anything. Only God has it all. By surrendering our lives to him, his will and his leading and his outcomes, we can live a more peaceful life. And isn't that what we're aiming for? A peaceful life that is not full of anxiety. This current season we're in, this COVID-19, just reiterates that we don't have control over anything what's happening in our lives. We can certainly put boundaries in, we can keep ourselves safe, follow the rules and do all the right things, but ultimately we have to just continue to trust that God will bring us all through this time. If we remain humble and we bow our knee to him and our heart to him in all aspects of our life, trusting in him. Pride robs, but humility restores. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, quite a mouthful, try saying that three times in a hurry. King Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind, his rule and his kingdom because of his pride and arrogance. We too can be robbed of close relationships if we're unaware of how pride is at work in our lives. Pride can puff you up with your own importance, with a distorted view of yourself, which can result in pushing people away. Thinking we know everything and thus lording it over others with our knowledge can rob us of friendships. Pride can thrive on competition, always wanting to be the best, making competition of everything, but not caring about anyone else. Pride can also lead to a critical or a judgmental spirit, putting down others that do not come up to your expectations. Pride can rob us of freedom as it can keep you locked up in isolation and stop you from growing in wholeness in God. Being unteachable may also have, a pri- have pride as the root, as it's actually saying that, I know it all, thank you. I don't need you or want you to tell me what to do. I wonder how teachable you are. Are you open to being corrected? Or do you close down and become defensive when someone is trying to speak into your life or bring, bring correction? We all need to be people that are open and can take correction because we all want to grow in life. So if you've got someone in your world who you trust and is trying to bring correction to you, don't shut down. Don't let pride rise up and stop you listening, okay? So be teachable. Always be teachable. We can always all grow. And I wonder also if there's an element of pride in stubbornness as well as it being a personality trait. I know there's some personalities are quite stubborn in the way that they do things in life. They just kind of dig their heels in a lot. 
But sometimes I wonder if stubbornness isn't a choice and it's a little bit of pride has snuck in because when you're being stubborn for the sake of it, it's caring more about yourself than what that means to the other person, what's happening to the other person. Pride can also prevent you from acknowledging your part in a conflict and thus prevent mending any hurts. But humility, on the other hand, restores and builds friendships and relationships as what it does, it puts the needs of others before your very own. Being humble always allows you to be the first one to apologise and forgive and thus restore a broken or hurt relationship. Let's not be people that just... Like get stuck, put our head in the sand and get stuck. And I'm not going to apologise, that person wronged me. No, that's not right. Jesus wouldn't want us to live like that. Let's be people that are humble, that can come to somebody and say, do you know what, I made a big mistake. I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have treated you like that. Will you forgive me, please? That's humility. That's what humility is, not pride. Pride just goes, I'm going to wait for them to apologise and no. They did me wrong. I'm not going to have anything to do with them. No, we don't want to be people like that. Please don't be like that. It was only when King Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself and came to the realisation that he needed God that he was restored both physically and in his wealth and reign. We can all have a big blind spot when it comes to all sorts of things, but to acknowledging that pride may be a problem in our lives. I wonder if you'd be brave enough to ask someone, your spouse or someone who's very close to you, whether they think it might be an issue for you and that you might not be aware of. might be something you've never even thought of before, but maybe it's, it's right there. Don't wait until destruction comes and you are left to pick up the pieces of broken relationships. I want you to think for a moment about any conflict that you've had or broken relationships in the past And ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there was an element of pride that had a role to play. Be honest and don't try to come up with reasons why you acted the way you did or they did that. But just sit quietly in the presence of God and ask him to show you if there was something that you could have maybe done differently. And if this is the case, ask God to help you move forward with humility and bring the necessary changes or apologies that might bring restoration and forgiveness. Now, I've got an object lesson here I want to show you. There we go. There we go. I know you love my object lessons, and it just wouldn't be the same without it, would it? So here we go. I hope this doesn't get too messy. This carafe here... I want it to represent our lives, particularly this increased life that we're talking about in God. We all want lives that are full of what God wants for us and all the goodness of God. The green represents the element of humility we have in our lives, how humble we are. Now, that would vary for all of us. Some of us would have a very high level up here. Some would have a lower level. The gap in between is pride, okay? And again, that would vary for all of us. Now, the only way we're going to get rid of pride if we are to live that full, overflowing life is to get more humility. So here we go. We're going to allow God to work in us and get rid of that pride by humbling ourselves, learning all those things we've talked about. And what happens is, do you like that? 
All the pride has gone out of our lives to be replaced by humility. And I love the way that that spills over because that's the sort of Christians we need to be, that we have God spilling out of our lives, all the character qualities of Jesus growing in our lives. So that's what we want to look like. Humility where we are putting others before ourselves, not thinking more highly of ourselves. It's okay to have pride in something that you've done or be proud in your achievements or what your children have achieved. That's not what I'm talking about here today unless that pride in yours or others' achievements is what gives you your worth or identity. If you're a person that constantly is talking about your accolades or your, or your amazing financial empire, then might I suggest that a little bit of pride might have crept into, into your life. Treasures we build here on earth are only fleeting and can be lost or taken away at any time. Just look at the times we're living in right now, where superannuation funds have taken a drop and people's businesses have been closed up and incomes have come to a halt. Our identity and our worth cannot be tied to our achievements or we became unstuck and we just lose our way in life. Now Jesus is our beautiful example of how to live a humble life. He couldn't stand the pride and the arrogance of the Pharisees of the time as they exalted themselves and they lorded it over the people with their pious attitudes. We can see this in the parable that Jesus told in Luke 18, if you want to turn with me there. It's the parable he spoke about the tax collector and the Pharisee, and we find it in chapter, starting at chapter um, verse 9. Sorry, It says this, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And we can also learn from the Apostle Paul when he writes in Romans twelve three. He says this, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. It's a lesson for all of us, isn't it? These verses remind me of our need to keep our thoughts and opinions in check about people and how they do their lives. It's so easy to look at somebody's life and start making judgments about why they, why they are where they are, or we have no idea what people's stories are like. So how dare we judge somebody else or make um, make any kind of opinion or judgment about them? Otherwise, we too might find that we have become like the Pharisees, feeling superior or making judgments about people's lives. Be much better to ask God to bless them and just pray for them and reveal himself to those who do not yet know him. These people may not even know who God is. So we'll be much better off spending our time praying for someone to come to know God rather than making those judgments about their lives. Jesus shows us all how to live a life of humility by putting on an apron, so to speak, or a towel to serve others just as he did. 
when showing his disciples the way to greatness in John 13. He was demonstrating how to love and serve others by humbling himself, by bowing before them and washing their feet. It says this, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now you know these things. You will be blessed if you do them. And I was just thinking, don't ever let a position or a title make you feel entitled to treat people any different. Um, For me, um, we've done this journey now for 18 years as pastors of this church, and I don't think for one moment that um, we built this church. God built this church, and he just used us. And we might have the title of senior pastor, but do you know what? It makes me no different to you. I just roll up my sleeves, and I know Greg does as well, and the other leaders around here at Bayloff. We just do whatever God wants us to do. I'm still cleaning toilets here after 18 years, and I don't have a problem with that. Just because I have a title or a role of a leader here, that doesn't mean that um, I should be treated any differently. God just wants us all to love and serve with humility. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whether here in the church or with your family or at work or with friends, neighbours, just to treat others as you would want them to treat you. Jesus had a heart for the lost, the broken, the young, the old, the feeble, the sick. He didn't hesitate to humble himself, to bow his knee and serve those, whatever their need, showing love, grace and mercy. What a beautiful example he left for us to follow. Pride has no place in our lives if we are to live the increased life that Jesus has for each one of us. Let's not be like the Pharisees of Jesus' time or the kings of Daniel's time who certainly were not humble in their approach at all to people. God's word warns us that pride comes before a fall. Take a good look at your life. Is the writing on the wall? Is the Lord trying to show you areas of your life that need attention? Don't ignore the warnings. Don't just walk away today. Oh, that was a nice message. Yeah, that was good. I want you to actually just sit. Next time you're having your quiet time with God, I want you to actually just sit and think about your life. Are there any warnings? Is God trying to teach you something? Let him do the work in you that he's already begun, remembering that we're all spiritual work in progress. Lean in, not out, to the hand of God during this season. We don't need to lift ourselves up or to boast of our actions or good intentions because if we do just as Jesus asks to humble ourselves, to have care and concern for others, then he will lift us up. So let's pray. Father God, thank you, Jesus, that you give us such a beautiful example of humility. Thank you that you care. You cared so much for people when you walked on the earth. And God, we as your disciples want to do the same thing. So help us, Lord, not to live with pride in our hearts, Lord, but to humble ourselves before you each and every day, to treat people well, not to make judgments or have opinions about people, Lord, just to know our place is in you, Lord God. Help us love well. Help us to show mercy, to show grace, Lord God, each and every day, and to bow our knee and serve those around us, Lord, with your incredible love. Thank you that we can learn from your word, Lord God, and thank you that we can learn from these two kings today about how pride really does come before a fall. So help us, Holy Spirit, this week as we just sit before you and we ask that you would examine our hearts 
and show us that, Lord, if there is any pride that's been stopping us from building relationships or drawing near to you and others. And I pray for those too, Lord God, that may have never made that decision to come and trust in you today. Maybe today's the day that somebody may just decide to make that step forward. And I pray that you would draw near to them, Lord, in Jesus' precious, precious name. Amen.